0: So our first uh, reading today is our gospel reading. It's uh, Luke 15, 11-24a. It's the parable of the lost son. Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, And Tissa is going to give us our reading from James, uh, on which our series is based. And that's James 2, uh, verses 14 to
1: 26. James 2, 14 to 26. What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or a sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing but their, for, about their physical needs, what good is it? In the, in the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by my deeds. You believe that there is one God, good Even the demons believe that and shudder. You foolish person. Do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? Was not our father Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see that his faith and his actions were working together and his faith was made complete by what he did. And the scripture was fulfilled that says Abraham believed God and it was credited to him
0: So, um, there's a film called The Secret Life of Walter Mitty, and it's all about this guy who's got a really mundane job, and he tries to make his life more interesting, uh, by daydreaming of adventures in which he is a hero. Uh, on Facebook, there is a group called the Walter Mitty's, sorry, the Walter Mitty Hunters Club. Uh, now I can think of, uh, better things to do with my time, uh, but the members of this group make a point of exposing those who claim to have served in the military, uh, but haven't. Uh, apparently, there are quite a number of people who don military uniforms, they attend parades, uh, they post bogus uh, photos on on Facebook and uh, social media, and they pretend that they've had an illustrious career in the military. Uh, they are, of course, charlatans. Uh, the uniform, the medals, the beret, and all the impressive stories Are just a front. There's absolutely nothing behind it, nothing of substance. There's no evidence that they've ever served in the military because they haven't. And James points out that there are people who claim to be Christians. Uh, They look like Christians. They go to church. They have Christian friends. They play Christian music, but it's all a front. There is nothing of substance behind it. Their faith is not real. And probably, unlike the Walter Mitties, in many cases, uh, they don't know that their faith is not real. Verse 14, James says, What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith, but no deeds? In other words, if someone claims to be a Christian, but doesn't live a Christian life, in fact, does completely the opposite, their claims are false. And he gives an example. He says, imagine a a really poor person within the church. They don't even have uh, clothes or food. And they're having a conversation with someone at the back of church. And that person says, I'm sure you'll be okay. You'll, you'll get some clothes. You'll, you'll have enough food. Don't worry. But then that person does absolutely nothing to help them. James says uh, that such a person cannot call themselves a Christian. Their faith is dead like a dead fruit tree that produces absolutely no fruit. James says very clearly that faith without deeds or works is dead. But he's not saying that a person is a Christian because of their works. There are several fundamental differences between Christianity and all the other world religions. And perhaps the most significant difference is this, all other world religions are works-based. In other words, there's this idea that if we work hard enough, if we do the right things, if we're good people, then we can earn our way to heaven. Every other world religion says, if you pray enough, if you do enough, if you devote enough time, if you wear these clothes, if you perform these rituals, if you follow these rules then you might be able to elevate yourself to the point where God will accept you. Christianity says the opposite. As Christians, uh, we know we can never do enough to, uh, to be acceptable to God because we are broken and we're sinful and we're messed up. So instead of trying to elevate ourselves to where God is, God came down to where we are. He came into the world in the person of Jesus Christ and he took all our sins upon himself so that all we have to do is put our faith in him and we'll be forgiven and made right with God. Think of the parable of the prodigal son. We read it this morning. The father in the parable represents God. The younger son represents us. Now, when the father saw his his son coming towards the house... Uh, He didn't send out one of his servants to say, right, your father will see you once you've cleaned up your act. He didn't say, here's a long list of things you have to do before you can come home. No, the father went running out to meet his son, embraced him. He He was overjoyed that his son had come home. When we repent and turn to Christ, we are saved. We are brought back into a right relationship with God, not because we are good, but because God is good and sent his son Jesus to die for us. It says so very clearly in Titus 3, verses 4 to 5, but when the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared, he saved us, not because of righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. We don't worry about things like that here. we <laughs> we got so many children in the church, nobody bats an eyelid, it's very normal. So, uh, because of his mercy. James isn't saying that we are saved because of our good works. He is saying that our good works are evidence that we have a genuine faith. He says, show me your faith without deeds and I will show you my faith by my deeds. We can't give our lives to Jesus and then just keep living the same as we have always done. We have been saved in order to serve and glorify God. And the evidence of that service will be our deeds, our actions. If someone claimed to be a chef and you ask them, uh, what makes you a chef? And he said, well, I've watched the entire series of Master Chef, Food Safari, Hell's Kitchen, and Family Food Night. And I've eaten in loads of really good restaurants. And I've got a fully fitted kitchen with every uh, appliance and utensil that you can imagine. And I've got a special chef's hat, which is called a toque, by the way. And, uh, and you said, well, okay, what do you cook? And he said, um... Well, you know, the the, the thing is I've uh, I've never cooked anything. You'd be like that. I'm pretty sure this guy is not a chef. A genuine chef will produce genuine meals and a genuine Christian will produce the fruit of the spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. Even just take the first one of those, love. Love is not something we feel, it's something that we do. How could we claim to love someone and then leave them hungry and without clothes? But James hasn't written this so we can spot the fake Christian. He's written it so that we might examine our own hearts. We don't read this and then start looking outwards. We read this and look inwards and we ask ourselves the question, does my life line up with what I claim to believe? James gives two examples from the Old Testament of how faith leads to action. The first is when God tells Abraham to take his son Isaac up the mountain and sacrifice him. And you might say, how could Abraham even consider doing such a thing? But remember that in that part of the world, at that point in history, child sacrifice was not uncommon among those pagan nations. So Abraham went up the mountain with Isaac, a pile of firewood, and a knife. And just as he was about to sacrifice Isaac, God stopped him. And he showed him a ram that had been caught in the bushes. Uh, In other words, God provided the sacrifice. Of course, this points forward to Jesus. God didn't uh, make Abraham sacrifice his son. God would never do uh, something like that. But God did sacrifice his own son, Jesus. And it's interesting that Abraham went up uh, Mount Moriah to sacrifice Isaac, even though he didn't have to do it in the end. Uh, Mount Moriah is the hill upon which Jerusalem is built and where Jesus was crucified. But all that happens in Genesis 22. If we go back to uh, Genesis 15, verse 6, it says this, Abraham believed the Lord and he credited it to him as righteousness. Abraham believed the Lord. He put his faith in the Lord, and that's what made him righteous. Not anything that he'd done. He didn't deserve to be called righteous. He made all kinds of silly mistakes, and we read about those in the in the book of uh, Genesis. He was made right with God by faith, and it is faith that led uh, to his obedient action on Mount Moriah. James also gives the example of Rahab, who was a prostitute in the city of Jericho living there uh, when two Israelite spies came to do a recce. And when the king of Jericho heard uh, that there were two Israelites staying in the city at Rahab's house, he sent for them immediately, presumably to question them and uh, probably to kill them. And Rahab put her own neck on the line by hiding the spies and saying that they'd already left the city. It was a righteous action and one that was rewarded by God. But we know from a conversation that Rahab had with the spies that she had heard of all that God had done for Israel and she believed in Israel's God. She even said, For the Lord your God is God in heaven above and on the earth below. In other words, your God is the one true God of heaven and earth. Again, it was her faith that led to her right action. Faith in God always leads to good deeds. James says a person is considered righteous by what they do and not by faith alone. And this sentence can seem a bit confusing because uh, we know that we are saved by faith alone. We are brought back into a right relationship with God by faith. Uh, the great Protestant reformers would say that we that Christians are saved by grace alone through faith alone in Christ alone. But James is saying that faith is always accompanied by good deeds. You can't separate faith from good deeds and still call it Christianity. However, our faith comes first and then the good deeds. It's a bit like this. Uh, I don't know whether you've ever been abseiling, uh, but if you have, I bet you trusted the equipment before you stepped over the cliff. I mean, imagine being at the top of a huge vertical cliff looking down, about to embark on this abseil, and uh, you start having doubts. You're looking around and you're thinking, this equipment is dodgy. The rope is frayed, and the anchor points don't look very secure. In fact, now I come to think of it, the instructor stunk of booze. Would you step over the cliff? Of course you wouldn't. Uh, You don't start abseiling and say, whew. I thought I was going to die, but luckily the equipment is all right after all. The faith doesn't come after the action. The action comes after the faith. You have faith in the equipment, and so you take the action of stepping over the cliff and allowing it to bear your weight. The action is evidence of the faith. And that's how it is for us. We're not Christians because we do good deeds. We do good deeds because we're Christians. The faith comes first and then the deeds because often the things that God asks us to do are difficult or inconvenient or costly or downright scary. And I guess there are two uh, traps that we could fall into with all this. And the first is to panic and say, I'm not doing enough. I've got to do more. I've got to show evidence that I'm a Christian. But if we do that, we wouldn't be serving God out of love and gratitude for all that he's done for us. Uh, We'd be doing it to convince ourselves that our faith is genuine. And then we'd be getting into the whole area of works righteousness. That is to say, uh, trying to win God's approval through our actions. Trying to win our salvation. Trying to earn our place in heaven through what we do. God loves you. He died for you. He loved you enough to die for you when you were at your very worst. If you have put your faith in Jesus, your forgiveness, your relationship with God, and your eternal place in his kingdom are secure. Romans 10.9 says, If you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So we focus first on our relationship with Christ. Lean in. Get to know him. Follow, who, follow his example. Begin each day uh, open to the inspiration and the guidance of the Holy Spirit. Remember that when we gave our life to Jesus, we began a lifelong process of change and transformation. We will not be made perfect until we meet Jesus face to face. Yeah, don't let the uh, baptism candidate escape. That would... Uh... <laughs> That would upset things. (laughs) So we won't be made perfect until we meet Jesus face to face. James actually set the bar pretty low. I mean, imagine someone came into the church in rags and starving, and we didn't clothe and feed them. We wouldn't be much of a church, would we? Instead of running around in a frenzy of activity trying to find good deeds to do, let's focus first on our relationship with Jesus and allow the Holy Spirit to guide us. I can assure you that good deeds will flow out of that relationship and it will feel a lot more natural. Our good deeds should be intentional but not forced. The second trap that we could fall into with this, is to think, well, if someone was starving and stood right in front of me, of course I'd feed them. Tick, no change needed. James's example isn't an exhausted list of the kind of good deeds that Christians might do. Uh, Clothing and feeding the poor is just one example of how we might love our neighbor. Good deeds is a very broad category. A lot falls into this or under the umbrella of good deeds. There should be evidence of our relationship with Jesus in every area of our lives. Uh, What we think, what we aspire to, uh, our priorities, the way we speak, the way we listen, how we use our gifts and financial resources, how we spend our time, how we relate to other people. No area of our lives should be unaffected and untouched by the work of the Holy Spirit. Of course, for things to change, we need to work in partnership with God's Spirit. We've got to be open to that process that the Spirit is wanting to do in our lives. We are all a work in process. And our good deeds, or perhaps better to say our goodness, should increase correspondingly with the depth of our relationship with Jesus. So our response to this passage should be neither panic nor complacency, uh, rather a heartfelt desire to live out the Christian life as authentically as possible. We don't want to be the Walter Mitties of the Christian world, you know, all facade with nothing of substance behind it. Of course, there are some good deeds that ought to be universal for all Christians. If someone is hungry, we feed them. If someone is thirsty, we give them something to drink and so on. But there are other good deeds that are specific to a person's individual calling. Not everyone is called to provide aid relief and dig wells in one of the world's poorest countries, although a lot of Christians are called to do that sort of thing. And this is why it's so important to stay in step with the Holy Spirit. The, God has a purpose and a plan for our lives, but if we don't invest in our relationship with Jesus, we could miss it. For those of us who are married with children, one facet of our good deeds, and by far the most important, is to be a good father sorry, to be a good uh, husband or wife, and to be a good father or mother. Today, we're baptizing Eliana Sherwood, and her parents, Brandon and Natalie, have decided to follow Jesus, and they want to lead Eliana uh, to Jesus. Today, they promise to pray for her, to draw her by example into the community of faith, and to walk with her in the way of Christ. Setting a godly example for a child is a very good deed, because when a Christian child sees his or her parents at their very best, they get to see a little glimpse of what Jesus is like. Raising a child in the church is a very good deed because we hope and pray that that child will grow up to love and serve the Lord. And we, the church, have promised to support Brandon and Natalie uh, with this endeavor because it's so important that we keep encouraging one another to keep the faith. As it says in Hebrews 10, 23 to 25, Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. We want to be people who are known for our good deeds, not for our glory, but for God's glory. Good deeds without faith will not save us, but faith without deeds is dead. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you that you accept us as we are, but you love us too much to leave us as we are. We thank you, Lord, that To be brought into your kingdom, all we need to do is put our faith and our trust in Jesus. But we also recognize that genuine faith will bring a radical change to our lives and our characters. And we pray, Father, that we'll be open to the work of the Holy Spirit, changing and transforming us, helping us to be the people you have created us to be. We pray, Father, that we will keep pressing in that will take that will put our relationship with you at the very center and at the very heart of our lives. And we're excited to to see what can come out of that. We pray for your help with all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.